2: Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to another lovely evening of Jaybird watching. We are here live with a couple of guests this evening that have a couple first times, long times, and then one that just seems like he's here every once a month, you know, because that's because we are the official podcast of jaysjournal.com, which is part of Fanside. So part of that affiliation, Chris Henderson, how are you doing this evening?
3: Oh, I'm just beachy keen. <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs>
2: Doing pretty good. Come on. We're already, uh, last I saw, we were up by one already, and that just means things are good. And now it's three, apparently. I look away for two seconds, and that's how things go. Oh, wow. Yeah, me too. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) It's always good. Always good to be put in winning. Winning cures everything. Also with us this evening, we have Ian Hunter of many Blue Jays writing venues mostly it's a daily hive at these days correct uh ian or is it some other places
1: yeah yeah i used to bounce around a ton of places but yeah just daily hive these days
2: there you go so how are you Ben? are you enjoying this little winning run we went on a little bit yeah
1: it's um i forget i forgot how stressful september can be it's it's not usually the romp like it was in 2015 where they just barreled down at the end and so this is uh you know it's the highs and lows of September, but so far things are looking pretty good for this team right now.
2: Yeah, and as far as let's—I want to talk the road trip, but I think we would be doing dismay right now to the one of the hottest players in Major League Baseball if we didn't start this conversation this week with the reigning Player of the Week, Bubba shut in. Chris, everybody has been all over Boba Shett to get his stuff together all season. I've been seeing a flying under the radar season for him for most of this season and it's finally just come out in full force. Everything is right back together where you would expect it to be. He's running into the, you know, main rankings in major league baseball, especially shortstop category. Ian, where do you think this has come from with Boba Shett, or is this just a all of a sudden just bang, this is real Boba Shett?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's hard to say. Like Basically, up until September, he's a league average hitter, right? And compared to last year, it's a bit of it was viewed as a bit of a disappointment because last year was a breakout season for him. You know, he was an All Star, led the AL in hits, and this year, you know, the power just didn't seem to be there. Chasing quite a few pitches outside of the zone, but um, I don't know if it was just a change in his approach or if he got more aggressive. Like once the calendar turned to September, it's like he turned superhuman. Um, and I just checked, you know, this month he's hitting four eighty-two. He's already got 27 hits. Like, this dude is, he's on fire, and he's, you know, essentially carrying this team offensively right now. Um, and uh, you know, last year his war was 5.1, and it's sitting at 4 now. It's going to be hard to replicate that, but yeah, all of a sudden his season is, is taking it about face, so it's... You know, defensively, I think he still is growing a little bit um, on the base paths. You know, he's kind of is who he is, but offensively, um, as John Schneider said, you know, this is like the best that we've seen out of Beau Bouchette. So um, I don't know if it's sustainable over the rest of the season, but it's certainly been a treat to watch.
2: Yeah, to the point of, like, craziness. Chris Henderson, weigh in. Where do you think this is? Is this the real Bo Bichette that we saw break out last year? Or is this um, just the run into the playoffs momentum kind of thing?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think people forget how long a baseball season is and how long a career is and all those sort of things. I mean, Bichette led the league in hits last year as a 23-year-old. And, and, you know, as we're seeing with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he's having a, a you know, a, a solid season. But everyone views it as a disappointment because he's not reaching the standard that he had in uh, 2021. So, I mean, I, for me, this is the first time that Bichette's really played with all of his confidence uh, all year long. I've seen a guy, to me, as I've watched him, it seems like he's a guy that's has just been missing some confidence more than anything else. Uh, You know, swinging at bad pitches over the last couple of weeks here, the the thing that's impressed me the most has been just his ability to lay off bad pitches. He's not swinging at those garbage breaking balls that are in the dirt that he's spent most of the year, uh, you know, hacking at. So part of it, I think he's getting more pitches to hit too, but but that's because he's had a much better eye at the plate. And, and, uh, you know, when he hits pitches that are strikes, I think he does a lot of damage.
2: Yeah, to that point of hitting balls really low, the one that he hits for eight, and this, what ends up being a game-winning home run against the Rays the other night, that ball was heading toward his shoe shoe tops, and he's he somehow managing just enough lift under that thing to go. That is the sneaky pop that is hiding in Boba bat, or at least in the crazy amount of torque that he generates with that leg kick. I'll give you 50-50. <laughs> so, um, but Ian, he has literally, the this last week, I think it was a 520 batting average or something like that over the last week. He literally eclipsed Mike Trout over the last week, who had seven home runs in seven games. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 this is just unprecedented, and I, I do think that, what to Chris's point a minute ago, that this is the best Boba Shet that Blue Jays fans have gotten to see.
1: Yeah, it, it tells you how how crazy a week he had when he eclipsed someone who hit what what that was seven homers, seven consecutive home runs. Like, yeah. um, it was just insane. Like it just, it seemed every other night he's getting two, three, four hits. Um, and the other thing I noticed too, is he's been really central, to a lot of big at bats, um, like yeah. go ahead runs. Um, you know, that other night in Baltimore, we had the three Homer night, uh, also had a big series in Pittsburgh against the pirates too. So like, He's coming up clutch right now, which is huge because you could say like Vladdy and George Springer, aside from tonight and last night, you know, they've kind of underperformed as of late at the top of the order, but you know, you've just got Bo right there coming in to to pick them up. So it's um yeah, it's I I, I don't know. I think some the real Bo is somewhere in the middle. Um, but I think what he's doing now is he's just attacking pitches, right? Like everyone knows he just hunts fastballs and I think six of his homers this year have been on first pitches so uh, you know yeah. why why wait around and get fooled by a slider or a breaking ball and just go after a fastball right away so I think maybe that's what he's doing and, and it's working for him so far
2: Chris do you think that's a good chunk to the approach factor that what we've been seeing I, I want to make another point here in a minute but I do think that to Ian's point the uh, him being able to actually attack the ball has been obviously pushed to the front. This is you go for it do your do your game and I think that's been showing lately.
3: Yeah, I mean again I kind of to me I think it's about confidence for him like he's been, I've seen a guy that's I guess if you look at the numbers he has been a little bit more aggressive lately but he's been aggressive all year long. Um, to me it's just about swinging at the right pitches. I love that he's going in there and like Ian said, being ready to swing at the first pitch and I think that's an effective. Um, strategy for a guy like that, you know, you go in looking for a fastball and if you see a, a slider, regardless where it is, leave it alone. You know, if you're Machete. um, but I just, yeah. To me, to me, it comes down to confidence, confidence, and just hitting better balls. You, you know, you're right. He did, he did kind of pick that one off the dirt. But um, I've just seen him leave so many sliders on that outside corner, that old Joel Carter special that he couldn't leave alone. And uh, that's something Machado just, just couldn't leave alone all year long. And finally, he's he's starting to do that a lot more. And as a result, he's getting better pitches to hit.
2: Yeah. This next one, I'm gonna let either one of you grab whoever wants to fight for this one next. <laughs> the um... The fact that John Schneider has been around the second half of this season, what Bo Bichette was dealing with to begin this season was completely different. This is literally, we're looking at the tail of two seasons between his first half and second half splits right now. How much do you think the Schneider effect is playing into the fact that he has been able to be more himself this second half?
1: I, I think there might be something there to that. Um, I can't recall what the exact quote was from Bo but I think the reporters kind of asked him what they thought about the managerial change. And he was like, yeah, it was, it was about time or, you know, it was like a very, it, it, that's a, kind of like a, very, off a little bit. It was a <laughs> subtle jab at Charlie, um, you know, take that for what you will, but maybe it is, they do kind of just say, Hey, like let it eat. man." Um, cause think back to like when he yeah. was drafted, I think one of the reasons why he chose the blue Jays, because they basically said they didn't want to tinker with his swing and change his hitting philosophy or anything and that's one of the reasons why he ultimately signed with them so
2: i think a big um, part of that was play shortstop too they were yeah. didn't, they were gonna let him keep doing that where everybody else is saying he's not a career shortstop which i, I don't know how many players actually get to stay a career shortstop but that's besides the point
1: <laughs> yeah so i mean like We'll see what happens. Like I, I, We'd have to ask the players inside the clubhouse, probably off the record, to get a true answer about <laughs> whether you know things are looser with John Schneider. But, I mean, take a look at his numbers, first half and second half, and they're like night and day. And John Schneider's been around. He's been the manager second half. So, you know, put two and two together, I think there might be something there. Yeah,
2: he's been 257 for the first half, and so far this second half through 48 games, he's been 332. And mm-hmm. he's already more than halfway to his RBI toll for the first half. Yep. Chris, yep. do you want to weigh in on that? Yeah. You know, and,
3: and I agree with you. and I, I heard that subtle, I can't remember the exact quote either. And it was a subtle jab at Charlie and, um, you know, and, but, you know, even if it's not so much like what was Charlie doing wrong, it might just be a familiarity thing with Schneider. He came up with them, you know, throughout the minor league system. They've known each other for years. Um, you know, sometimes it's just about a comfort level. And for a guy as as talented as Bichette, it might just be, you know, get back to doing what made you one of the top prospects in the game and one of the most exciting rookies the baseball's seen in years. And, and uh, you know, I, I, there again, it comfort, confidence, all that kind of stuff. For, to me, it's been, as I've watched the guy all year long, he just hasn't looked, um, until the second half here, of course, he hasn't looked like the same confident player that I saw the first few years that he was in the league. So... It's great to see him back with kind of, you know, getting his what's the getting his groove back. Stella got her groove back. Flows <laughs> on. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> has got his groove back lately, and and you can see it, and it's making a huge impact. He's he has the ability to be one of the best players in the American League when he's on.
2: Yeah. So this team, in the midst of Bo going off and going crazy here, has not um, over the last ten games won seven out of the seven of them. So that's been against some stiff competition, and to the point where you know. <laughs> We have to put up and shut up and win some of these ball games. They have been doing exactly that over the last two weeks. Um, Schneider has been saying that even Vladdy is getting more bats uh, are, that are more consistent and looking better. Tonight, he has his 100th home run. So how crucial was this past few weeks and having somebody like Boba all of a sudden come out of nowhere to help carry this team to this playoff post? Where I'm sitting this push right now is looking a lot better from where we sat literally this same time last year where we were, lo- <laughs> I think this is about the time of year last year when we went through that little bump before we were like, Oh, we better hurry up and turn it on. Chris, yeah. what do you think? Are you If we want to go with it.
3: Sure. Or, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. yeah. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> well, the only thing
3: I was going to say right away was that uh, I think they've had to, you know, keep up with this pace lately. Cause you look at what the raise and the, Mariners have been doing, and even the Orioles, you know, they've kind of fallen off a bit lately. But um, this is, as much as they're in a more comfortable position, maybe with the the bit of a lead that they've got in Baltimore, that could evaporate this week, obviously, as we know. Very much so. Um, but they, um, you know, I think, they if they hadn't gone on this run, where Bichette's been carrying them in the last few games, they were 8-2 and two over 10 and stuff, and they'd be in a... A precarious spot because because of the way the Tampa Bay and Seattle are playing.
2: Yeah, those two teams have
1: been hot. Ian, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean that was like part of the schedule where the Blue Jays really needed to make ground, like those games against you know the Cubs and the Pirates and that uh, that crucial four gamer um, against the Orioles. And then, like I just looked, you know, the Rays, Jays, and Mariners have all been thirteen and seven in their last twenty games. So, like. Baltimore seems to be fading off a little bit, but like nobody's, the Mariners are not taking a game off. The Rays are not taking a game off. The Yankees have fallen down a little bit. But yeah, they absolutely, they need someone like Bo to just hit like his hair is on fire because they really just kind of scraped by in that Pirate series scoring, you know, just barely enough runs. Um, yep. And then they come alive in Baltimore. But like if Bo's not hitting the way he is. Like, I don't know. There's probably like maybe three or four games. They don't win and they're further down the stand. Maybe they're not even in the playoff spot right now. So that just goes to show you how, how much one player can have a big difference at this time in the season.
2: Yeah. And to your point of having to beat up on everybody the last week, um, they did pretty much exactly that. Yeah. They dropped a couple of games here and there, like they tend to do, but winning series continuing to march forward, following the Cito principle that we've all loved for so many years. The, um, Fact is, obviously, the last couple of days we've been in a war of attrition with the Tampa Bay Rays and watching exactly why those games were so crucial to run over the you know Pirates, run over the Rangers as much as we did. Um, and then doing what we did against the Baltimore Orioles and taking that series as well. If they can continue to capitalize on this pitching, they're going to be a handful for everybody down the stretch. Uh, the biggest thing is keyword capitalizing. I think we watched the game last night and in the doubleheader. Um, that boba shut um in the first double header game there the last at bat of the game where he was it 17 pitches that he ended up seeing it felt troy Tulewinski 2015 yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was at that yeah, game too against so maybe andrew that's why miller I run
1: true against andrew yeah. miller right yeah
2: actually you know what that might have been against mariano Rivera. I do I remember, remember it was the
1: Yankees, but yeah, it was like a cl- It was a really long AB. I was getting kind of flashes of that one too. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I was just waiting for something big to happen, especially with the way he's playing. But to that point, it didn't come along. But then they did took care of business in game two. Um, but the fact that Bobuchet hits that game winner the night before against Tampa, I feel like the first three games of this series. Obviously, they're playing game four as we're recording right now, but they um, they have taken it to the Rays. And I've been very impressed with the play over the last two days. Um, Chris, what are you thinking?
3: Yeah, they're stepping up. I mean, it's it's funny because I, I, more than anything, the pitching staff is stepping up. Oh. You might See, have that, buddy, cut part out a little two, bit. But, um, oh, my apologies. Here, maybe I'll turn <laughs> the no camera off for a moment here. Um, We're good for now. <laughs> yeah, I. you know, I... The pitching staff has really stepped up, and that's what's impressed me the most. Whether it's Mitch White with a clutch performance yesterday, Manoa pitching, yeah. you know, in a flu game that'll go down in Blue Jays lore if they make the playoffs, um, the bullpen has been great uh, more recently. I mean, there's always going to be a hiccup here and there that we can talk about, but overall, the pitching staff is really doing their job. And you hit the nail on the head. And they kind of scrape by the Pirates, and um, you know, without Bichette, I agree with you, and I think they're down three or four wins. So. Um, they're playing good baseball right now uh, overall as a team. But, man, if they can get, you know, just a handful more bats going here, then I think they're going to cruise into the playoffs and, and potentially be a scary team to play once they get there, if this pitching continues the way it has.
2: To your point, Chris, if they drop a couple of those games, you know, we're currently five games in the wild card again, uh, ahead of Baltimore. That could be two, three games easy if you don't win those games against the Pirates and the Rangers and company. So Absolutely. Especially with the fact that I, I don't want to ever count the Baltimore Orioles out. I've already done that way too many times this season. <laughs> they're, um, basically, they're in that ballpark Park right now where we were, I think, last year. Their destiny actually is still in their hands. They just have to win some damn ball games. Um, over the last week, ten games, though, that hasn't been so much in their favor. Losing uh, six of their last ten, but Ian, what are you thinking for the uh, fact that you know? they took it to in the first three games of the East Rays series.
1: Yeah, it was, I was pretty surprised. Like, you know, the Jays, the Rays always play the Blue Jays really tough. And it's, you know, when the Yankees come to town, they always have the household names. And obviously Aaron Judge is, you know, MVP candidate this year. But you look at the Rays, like, can anyone name like five or six Tampa Bay Rays off the top of their head? You know, most years I can't um
2: this year definitely because they've had i think they said 37 starting pitchers
1: this year yeah well and a bunch of them are former blue jays too right so uh you know you just kind of look up and down and they you know tampa bay always seems to cobble it together but yet the blue jays have squeaked out you know a couple of close wins and even that first game of the doubleheader. i mean they as soon as the bats came alive late that was a they could have won that game as well too so to me um the one to watch for next week is the four game series and the TROP. Um, I think we yep. all know Tampa Bay is a is a house of horrors and, you know, weird stuff always happens there and the Blue Jays always find themselves in Tampa Bay late in the season with postseason implica- implications in place. But um yeah, as Chris said, I would say that, you know, starting pitching is held up their end of the bargain. And I would say throughout the second half, right? Like for the most part Say for like Mitch White and you say Kikuchi, this, this starting rotation has been solid. So if, um, if guys like Manoa, Gosman, Barrios are giving five, six innings and, and less than three runs, I think it really gives this team a half decent shot, but I'm actually quite surprised they're, they're playing up to the Rays this year because, you know, like I said, you, you look on paper and they don't have any marquee names, but they, they're still a very good team, but the Blue Jays you would say on paper there, they might be a better team actually. So um, yeah, these are very crucial games. Um, if they win this series at home, that would be huge. And even just splitting the one next week, I would say it would be a win.
2: Yeah. That is a uh, one that I'm praying just for a split. <laughs> I'm good yeah. with it. If they get up. So yeah. um, just to be that other guy, they have gotten to drew Rasmussen pretty good this evening. So far, blue Jays are currently winning Four to nothing, which is apparently now going to be the top of the fifth in a moment. But I want to talk that tonight, Vlad Guerrero, now I think it was like the seventh youngest player to get to 100 home runs as of tonight.
0: <laughs>
2: Something like that. Um, Chris, he's been in a slump. <laughs> what do you uh, think that do you think this is the start of what could be for Vlad Guerrero for down the stretch? And if you have him and him and Bo pounding the uh, opposing pitching down the stretch, this team's going to have some special things going on. What's what's say you?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm hoping. I mean, he's too good of a hitter not to. Just like the chat, he's too good of a baseball player not to perform at some point, right? And so. I've kind of been saying that since the second half started. That as long as the Blue Jays make the playoffs, they're they have enough talent that if they, you know, they're they kind of a streaky young team, and that that comes with youth and that comes with inexperience and that sort of thing. But I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if Blady got hot and went nuts for the last little bit of the season here. In the same breath, I mean, I think he's got some some work to do in the off season. I mean, not that I'm a, a hitting expert or anything, but he's kind of gotten back to he's gotten back to hitting the ball into the ground a lot more than he did before. And, um, you know, as much as he's capable of making adjustments on the fly, and he certainly will, um, it might be something that, that when we, if we see 2021, Vladdy again, it it might not be until next year. That doesn't mean that he can't be a star player and then he can't rip doubles at 110 mile an hour, you know, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to live and die with this Blue Jay season, whether Vladimir Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is hitting home runs or not. Uh, I'm hoping that um, you know there's five or six guys in the lineup that are hitting and contributing. That's to me the more the key to winning.
2: I agree with you on that statement, Ian. Do you think this is the? uh am oh, sorry, <laughs> see, I did what I was talking about earlier, Ian. <laughs> the um, do you think this is the you know rebirth of uh, Vladdy this season coming out? I know he hasn't been doing bad by any means but he's been a good run producer we know he can be a great run producer
1: yeah and i mean i looked even in august the month of august he still had an ops of 847 um and last year is kind of this is where the part of the sea i think august was his worst quote-unquote season uh or month of the season he had a 786 ops and then he came alive in the in the last month uh, of last year leading up to his that second place in the MVP. So yeah, it's as Chris mentioned, you know, he's really been pounding the ball in the, in the dirt. I think he's got like a, you know, 50, 50% ground ball rate since the all-star break. Um, I don't know if that's, it's probably has a lot to do with pitchers throwing pitches at the bottom of the zone, because obviously if you, um, get something, anything elevated as drew Rasmussen experienced tonight, uh, glad is going to send it out of the park maybe it's a part where you know you're just this is the part of the season where people are getting run down right like and it's um playing a full season takes its toll i mean glad done defensively i would say he's played gold glove caliber first base which if he told me that two years ago i would have said no chance this, this dude's never winning a gold glove um
2: especially at it, third base
1: <laughs> yeah and i would say I might argue actually this year, he's kind of been a more better all around player. Like last year, offensively, he he was bonkers, but still had some, still was fresh at first base. And the base running wasn't as great as it was this year, but like all around, I would say he's a more experienced player. And yeah, he probably does have some work to do in the off season. Um, The approach has kind of changed. I've noticed a little bit as well. I think he's only got six walks in his last little, month or so which is very anti-vladdy but again that could be just the way that pitchers are attacking him so um yeah i I think he probably does start to kind of come around as he starts to see more pitches um in the zone and um yeah we'll we'll, we'll see what happens i I, it's never as bad as it seems in the moment it always just feels like oh this is going to be another ground ball double play because he has the second most ground ball double plays and in, in baseball but still like he's only he's gonna eclipse 30 home runs so i'd say overall the overall body of work has been impressive but month by month he's had cold streaks and hot streaks but and now right now he's in a cold streak so we'll see what september it's got, holds
2: he's got a few rbis tonight so we're hoping that that means that something might be brewing um we got a question on youtube here for both of you guys and and very much involved with what's going on in the actual ball game right now. Where in the world would this team be without Ross Stripling? <laughs> It'd be screwed. God, I'm thinking pretty damn bad.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, it, his no, is he pitched incredibly well, but he's covered up what's turned into you know the biggest hole in the roster. Uh, and that's starting pitching depth. You know, yeah. I, I ent- we entered the year, the blue Jays entered the year. And I thought that this might actually be a strength for them this season, which was naive of me. You know, like I was thinking that Ryu and Kikuchi kind of filling out the back end of the bullpen. hopefully you get some depth from guys like stripling from Nate Pearson, from Thomas Hatch, from Anthony K. And like name here, of, right? you know, like <laughs> none of these names I've mentioned have really factored in the equation at all. And, it's it's scary to, to you know it's been scary at different points to be like man what happens if they actually have another injury I was shocked they traded Max Castillo when they did um, just because of that reason so if not for Stripling this team would would not be in a playoff position there's no question in my mind
2: yeah to that point you got me an interview with Max Castillo at one point so you know <laughs> I got to crush on <laughs> so but to that point I was surprised by that too he's at the time. You were you were looking for pitching depth and if they don't if they flip that trade with Castillo and don't get Mitch White on a flip of that, this team could look very different. I know Mitch then White is the, the Yankees trading Montgomery. Oh God. <laughs> that has made me so happy though. <laughs> it's not even funny. Watching him move to the national league and be a Cy Young candidate basically for the, the Saint Louis Cardinals. That's just fun to watch right there. Especially when oh, the Yankees have yeah. been in a downward spiral since. So yeah. Ian, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, so I'm just looking at his numbers right now. Like, Stripling's got eight quality starts for the Jays this year. And what was he like? He was the sixth man on the death chart in rotation, right? So yeah. I think even at one point earlier in the season, like, wasn't he, like, closing ball games or he did close a game in Los Angeles? At or least one, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, it's, it's, um, it's almost like Marco Estrada-esque where... I think back to 2015, I think that was a similar thing too. Like the Jays acquired him as starting depth or a bullpen arm. And because of injuries, Estrada was thrust into the rotation and he just kind of took the ball and ran with it. So like, obviously it comes with a caveat with Stripling, you know, you hardly see him, you know, third time through the order. He's probably not going to pitch more than six innings in a game, but he still gives us, his team a chance to compete every fifth day, which is like I don't know. He he might be like the third best starter on this team right now. Like if the for playoffs sure. start if the playoffs start tomorrow, does Ross Stripling start a game? Uh, you know, you could make a, a pretty I'd big argument, argument for him over Barrios, right?
2: Yeah, and I think that's where your uh, your um, one arguing point would be. Which because talk about and two seasons, Barrios is. Been night or day, period. The whole season, and you don't know when the night part is going to come. <laughs> it's in a complete wild card where you're going to get the opening day start thrown into a slew of like three good starts in a row. You know, so
1: yeah, I would say I I've, I don't think I've ever been more wrong about a player going into a season than Jose Barrios. I <laughs> I penciled him in as a Cy Young candidate um, because you know we just we saw the adjustments he made when he came over to the Blue Jays last year after the. Uh, Once they traded him and uh, I thought, well, like he's going to take this and run with it in the AL East in 2022 and couldn't have been more wrong. But he has he stopped doing this Jekyll and Hyde thing as of late, which has been good to see. He's kind of settled things down and he's made yet another adjustment. But the thought of uh, Barrios starting a playoff game is it still kind of scares me a little bit. So I would almost I would almost lean more towards stripling, to be honest with you.
2: And the fact that he might have earned it would be the catch, I would think, towards Strip Strip being in versus Brios. But there's that giant pile of money. (laughs) You paid him to be this guy. Do you trust him to be that guy is the next question. Um, Chris, do you think Brios is taking a turn for the positive here? Are are you trusting him for a playoff start? Or are you possibly looking in Ross Stripland's way?
3: Uh, You know, I like what I've seen from Brios lately. I agree with Ian. He's kind of gotten. He's shed that Jekyll and Hyde thing a bit. Um, he's looked a lot more confident. He, you know, I like what I've seen from him lately. Having said that, he's to me, he's the clear fourth starter in the playoff rotation. I mean, Stripling's kept his ERA under three. I think now, isn't it? And like, it's um, it, every it's, tonight,
2: it's trending in that direction.
3: Yeah, I mean, like it's. I, you could, having said that, in a in a three-game series, I mean, you could start with Brios, and if he looks rough, rip, Stripling's comfortable, come in and bail him out, so maybe that's the play. But, I mean, if you were going strip, uh, strictly off performance, I, I would have no problem whatsoever if, if Schneider had the ball to Stripling.
2: Yeah. So on that note, we obviously, right now, you have four good starters. We have to manage a fifth starter or some variation of it. We saw how bad the bullpen day worked the other day. Mitch White, to your point, Chris, has been very up, down, wherever, and anything in between. How do you see that the rest of these innings outside of Manoa, Stripling, Gosman, and Burrios shaping out for the last few weeks here? Or is Mitch White your answer?
3: (laughs) Well, you know what? I, I think White certainly earned himself another opportunity. Um, the next time that comes through, whether the Blue Jays decide to start him or whether they want to go with an opener and bring him in as the bulk guy, I, I think he certainly um, earned himself another opportunity. But I actually, I wrote an article a few days back about this, and and I actually don't mind the way the Blue Jays bullpen is set up right now. I feel like the depth um, is, which is hard for me to even believe that I'm saying, but I feel like the depth is in a stronger place now than it's been all year long. And if they can continue to get quality starts from those other four guys, then
0: without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather emergency or time of day, you're the ones who get it done at Granger. We're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
3: But, you know, for the last 20 games of the season or whatever, 19 or whatever's left, uh, they, they might be able to get away with a bullpen days slash Mitch White bulk days and be just fine. Um, you know, certainly better than, than uh, I like that option better than giving the ball to Kikuchi or something for as an alternative.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would be a safe bet. Ian, what are you thinking on that whole thing? Do you think that, mitch white and company are kind of the answer to the going for that fifth day
1: yeah I or you think, got some yeah.
2: brain idea
1: <laughs> i don't know like really it's they don't have many other options right like this the depth at AAA is is not there you know the one guy i think who could make an impact still is nate pearson but not in a starting capacity right like only as a bullpen guy maybe as an opener um I thought they've used the the bullpen days have kind of fared actually okay um, as mm-hmm. of, they haven't been disastrous, yeah. which has been impressive. But I almost in the kind ball of,
2: game. That's all it needs to be. <laughs>
1: yeah, I kind of wonder though. I'm like, how long does this last? Like, is this or the bullpen's day or the bullpen day is going to turn into a pumpkin? Um, yeah. But but like honestly, if you like, I'm not saying they're punting every fifth day, but like. If you, say, you throw out Julian Merriweather or Trevor Richards for an inning or two to open, and then you bring in Mitch White or Yusei Kikuchi or whatever, um, and you're only down, you know, 4 nothing, 5-0, nothing, um, you know, that's I would probably take that, sadly, um, <laughs> compared to, to other Yusei Kikuchi games earlier in the year. But, like, they've got to figure out something. I think they're probably going to have at least, like, three more turns through the rotation, maybe four. So they're going to have to manage the innings here um, depending on how close things get, you know, maybe you see the, the rotation tighten up a bit. and Maybe you guys start pitching on short rest. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but yeah, it's um, like white has been, it's almost as like, I think him, Cucci and Brius all have ERAs above five still last time I checked. So, but again, there's no, there's really not many other options. So you just kind of have to pray and hope that they don't give up like five or six runs and then fill out the rest of the day with the, with relievers. Yeah.
2: I think the bullpen day is going to be here to stay for the near future boys. And I think that bullpen day spells Mitch white for X many innings. Maybe you say Kikuchi for X many innings, Julian Merriweather, Trevor Richards, (laughs) however you end up concocting that together. But, you look at the schedule, there's not a lot of breathing room and off days to really set up anything to keep it on like a four man rotation. Um, It'd be very hard to play with that because it's more or less, they have eight game stretches for the rest of the season. So they're going to have to mix something in. And then of course the, a lot of this is dependent on where we are in the standings. So if the Baltimore Orioles completely fall out of this whole thing, that last week, where we're playing them in the Red Sox, you know, some things could play in our favor depending on how other teams do in the wild card race. Yeah. But to that point, everything is on the table right now. They damn well better be going and trying to play as best as they can to steal that division spot, because I can't say it will happen, but it's definitely not out of the reality with the way the Yankees have been playing. I
1: Yeah. And how it, crazy I made... is that? Like a month ago, <laughs> Or, like, two months ago, they were, like, 16, 16 and a half games up, and everyone basically gave the, the Yankees the World Series trophy. And now, you know, the Jays control their own fate, right? Like, they could close the gap. I don't expect them to, but it's it's crazy that it's this is a baseball. possibility this late in the season, right?
2: I think that that's called irony, if they steal the freaking... Mm. Uh, pff- division from the Yankees after they just kept us out of the playoffs yeah. last year. I think that's the perfect way to spell it. Um, but the Yankees have been, I can't say anything but a dumpster fire, basically. They've been playing better of late and riding Aaron Judge's ridiculous home run record it, uh, for in wearing pinstripes into the sunset. And I think basically at this point, Aaron Judge is dragging the Yankees to the division. <laughs> if he, but if he cools down on any any fashion. They're 7-3 and three over the last few games, but they have not been the same team that everybody thought was going to steal the single season wins record from the Seattle Mariners before the yeah. All-Star break.
1: I mean, I looked at um like a couple of their trades kind of fizzled out, right? Like everyone was crying for the Jays to get Frankie Montas, and uh, <laughs> I was I strangely mean, okay with that not happening. Yeah, all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, we're good with that trade, actually. We're good with not having him, so like it just goes to show you, like there no, no team is, unless you're the <laughs> Ben Attendi too. Oh. Yeah, Ben and Tendi, right? Like unless you're the Dodgers and you've already clinched, like anything's still <laughs> possible. So there's still time, there's still runway. Um, but yeah, it's just how wouldn't that be crazy? Of like the last day of the season, the division still in play, like that would be so awesome.
2: We're not far from that. And it's only getting closer. It's what six games technically right now? Yeah, six mm-hmm. games. And yeah. that's that's wasn't this like fifteen games, like, <laughs> like a month 15, ago 16, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Chris, um, I think Teoscar Hernandez actually said it in an interview the other day that when he came back from his uh, his son being born, that he's back and he's here to win the division. <laughs> what are you thinking?
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, I think they should still obviously try to try to do that, but to me, um, I think the focus should be trying to get to the top wildcard spot at this point, Correct. secure the home, home series. Uh, and and the Yan- really, the Blue Jays can only do so much, as we've seen with the Mariners and the Rays lately. They can only win so many games. They're going to need some help from the Yankees and whoever they're playing in order to catch them. So to me, control the destiny that you can. Beat the Rays yep. as many times as you can before the end of the year, and hopefully the Mariners eventually lose a couple games and and I, I just love my, – my hope is that they get to host a playoff series. You know, I just love to see – if they end up as a wildcard team, I'd love to see them in the fourth – as the fourth yeah. seed so they could bring a series to Toronto.
2: So they're – as of right now, like, they're still winning 4-0 in the top of the sixth inning. How crucial do you think it is? I know we need to beat the Rays enough games going forward here to stay in the wildcard race. The Blue Jays don't hold – tiebreakers on the Seattle Mariners and many of the other people They, how crucial do you think for their success it is that they hold that tiebreaker over the Tampa Bay Rays because we came down to one game last year Chris I'll let you kick that one off uh,
3: that's a good question I mean
2: <laughs> um... I gotta you know something's working right up here and for me tonight <laughs>
3: yeah I mean I, I'd like to say that I don't I don't think it matters that much, but I mean, obviously, one game mattered a lot last year, and um, with the way the, the playoff format's set up this year, it, it does matter. So, I mean, um, I just I really hope that they don't play a series at the Trop. That's just that's like the nightmare scenario for me. So, control the destiny. You can make sure that you you know, right. It's not like it's an easy task, but if you can win the season series against Tampa Bay over the next week or so here, um, that's the most beneficial thing that they could possibly do.
2: Why do I feel like the shoemaker game is still ringing too good and true in your in your memory bank?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's just, that's exactly right.
2: <laughs> I, Ian, what are you thinking?
1: Well, I just looked the so right now the Jays are behind six seven in the season series. So if they win tonight, that comes even at seven seven. So, like, wouldn't it be just like a gut punch if they tie, or if they just like they? lose by one and then they they that ends up being the the factor in the top wild card of the jays having to go into tampa bay like it's just that's kind of why i feel like you have to put your your foot to the metal in these in these games here and that's one thing i've kind of i don't know about you guys but like i've noticed maybe like a more sense of urgency in these games with john schneider like you know the other night he like he emptied right. the bench basically um to, to help like win the game I like the fact game. that he's
2: actually managing a baseball game. <laughs> he's using yeah. his gut and the information he has at hand and he's acting.
1: Right, I like agree it's with a, he's a lot more active, you know, we've seen Romano in like you know, multiple inning situations where he comes in in the 8th inning which you know, didn't really happen very often with Charlie, so um I like the fact that it's not just like oh, okay, well, we'll just write this one off. We'll win it tomorrow. Like they're not taking that mentality anymore, which is enlightening to see because these it, it looks on paper, it looks like a nothing game, but really they are still playing for that tiebreaker. So it's, it's super crucial right now for sure.
2: Definitely. So moving forward, um tomorrow night, apparently Shane McClanahan is going to come back and pitch against the blue Jays. So tonight, like I said, they, I, they're not in the cruise control seat right now at four to nothing <laughs> by any means. Mm. Let's say they win tonight, how are you feeling facing a guy that is in the Cy Young conversation for the American League tomorrow night? I, uh, is it Barrios going to be on the Hill? No. Who's... I'm hammering Gosman. Gosman. So it's basically Cy Young candidates against each other tomorrow. Gosman's had some ups and downs, but he's been consistently bulldogish on the mound. Um, Ian, how are you thinking tomorrow looks with that matchup going?
1: Yeah, I think that's why, as soon as I saw that he was going to be activated for tomorrow, I thought tonight is kind of like a must win because, you know, you just assume that you're going to get like Cy Young caliber Shane McClanahan on the mound against the Blue Jays tomorrow, right? And maybe he is off because he's coming off He's not his sharpest because he's coming off the injured list. But yeah, I or would say be
2: really well rested.
1: That's true. <laughs> no yeah. So like, that's why I still think like, tonight is, is so crucial for this team. Like, uh, so last time he faced them, seven innings, three hits, one earned run, one walk, ten strikeouts. So to me, that kind of says everything, especially when you know the Jays are a very swing-happy team and um, McClanahan obviously can get tons of strikeouts. So uh, I think it might be a low-scoring affair tomorrow. That's why I think they, they need to pile on the runs today.
2: Chris how are you thinking uh Gosman v uh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, I
3: don't I don't mind it actually and um uh, like you know with him coming back I feel good about that part he might be you know like you said he might not be quite as sharp as he normally is um I don't love that he's a lefty cuz for some reason this right-handed heavy lineup can can hit southpaws all that well which still about blows my mind repeatedly but
2: um, it's been a Blue Jays trend for years, doesn't it? That's not just this season in a nutshell. True. Even when we had E.E. E. E. and uh, Bautista in there, it seemed like they, they were the only two that could hit lefties. <laughs> uh, I mean...
3: But the part that I do like is that the Blue Jays, I mean, I mean, I'm oversimplifying it at this point, but it seems like they hit established, talented starters and they can't hit guys I've never heard of before. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I, I'm hopeful that, they, that, that that plays into things and that McClanahan's maybe just not as sharp and, you know, that they ride him, when, him. If they can pick up another win today, you know, taking three out of four so far, hopefully they, you know, hopefully they can just ride it through and, and take McClanahan down when he might be a step below his best.
2: Yeah, if they were going to pick a day to face him, I agree that tomorrow is probably a better day to be facing him than like next week when he's had that start already. Um, yeah, I like I like this matchup. It's going
3: to happen than, probably too. I was going to say <laughs> I like this matchup better than the one that'll be coming in in Tampa Bay in a week.
2: You, um, Chris, you brought up a little bit of a point I made on the show a few weeks ago, and seeing uh, my normal gang of uh, you know buddies is not here, and I get the uh, Writers Guild with me tonight in Blue Jays baseball. <laughs> yeah, um. I brought up the fact that I made an observation this season that the Toronto Blue Jays, and uh, they made a point of this, they just hit hard-throwing pitchers better, and we've seen Loris Gurriel Jr., who is hopefully going to be coming back from the I.L. soon, he just finds a way to hit good line drives on solid velo. You look at the flip side of the coin, which was basically what we had the other night, a guy that nobody (laughs) thought would ever make it back to the majors. He's only had one other start with the Anaheim angels. I believe that the Rays trucked out there the other night and he kind of made them look like they didn't know what to do with their bats. The blue Jays have been having problems against guys that I would call the Mark Burley type hitting period where they get some guy who can throw above 95. They find a way to get hits. What do you think of that idea?
3: Oh, I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, it, it never, I shouldn't say it doesn't intimidate me, but I almost like when I see that they're coming up to, to Garrett Cole, I'm like, sweet, Vladdy's going to hit well today. You know, Vladdy doesn't, <laughs> He's gonna find doesn't a way to mind a hundred on. mile. Yeah, he doesn't mind a hundred mile fastball. Guriel doesn't. You know, uh, but Bichette likes to sit on fastballs. Chapman likes to hammer. You know, it's, it seems to me it's the soft tossing Lefties, especially, but any of those guys that are like Criswell from the other night, that are the sinker, slider, outside corner guys, that's what the Blue Jays re- really struggle with. And um, so, I mean, McClanahan's kind of got a full package that he can bring to the table, so he can attack him however he, he's going to. But, but um, yeah, when I see a, a, when I see the the Rays bring up a guy like Criswell, I'm like, of course, like they probably would just been waiting all year to do this and sitting back and laughing about it and knowing that it's going to work, and it, of course it did.
2: Yeah, to to that point, Chris Wall was uh, doing pretty good of painting the corners the other night. But
3: oh, he pitched great. But I mean, like I'd never heard of the guy, and then
2: all of yeah, a sudden he I, shows I'm up, the Meyer league guy, and I'd never heard of
3: him. Yeah, <laughs> he's throwing my you know sliders and sinkers to the outside corner, and he just he pitched very well. But uh,
2: it looked like he was finding a Greg Greg Maddox like form against the Blue Jays the other night. But yeah. Um, yeah, Ian, do you think there's something that I just exposed? The Blue Jays kryptonite is uh, finding Mark Burley type pitchers. Well, trucking them just, out there against the Jays.
1: I was just running their numbers, and the, the Jays this season against pitchers who throw ninety-five plus, they hit two sixty-three. Against pitchers throwing below ninety-five, they hit two sixty-two. So, oh, it's, so it's really, it's a, it's d- a it split. just looks different. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, um twenty percent of the pitches they've seen are ninety-five plus, and. 80% of the pitches they've seen are 95 and below. So I think the, uh, I, the book is absolutely out on them about breaking balls and off speed totally. pitches. Right. Like you, we saw in that, what was that at bat, you know, uh bow and Jordan Fairbanks, I think where, yeah. you know, that, that dude's pumping like a hundred and 101 and he was sitting on it. No problem. But all of a sudden they throw off speed and these guys are getting fooled very easily. So, um, we've seen these guys are they have plenty of hitters in the lineup who can hit high velo um, but obviously the league's going to adjust to that so that's maybe why we see a lot of like funky deliveries you know soft tossers and whatnot um, not just guys throwing gas out of the bullpen against the blue jays because if you do throw gas they're gonna they're gonna hit a go yard for sure
2: yeah it goes in faster it goes out faster
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs>
2: So after that game, we got the Baltimore Orioles at home, thankfully, for this weekend. Um, and then we get to move into the Philadelphia Phillies and back to the Trop over the next week. Um, how do you guys foresee, because we'll be recording on Monday mostly with um, my normal gang back here again. Let's talk this Baltimore series over the weekend as that's our next series. Um, the Baltimore Orioles are in a slump right now. They are still a young, hungry team. I think the whole, I'm think i hoping the home field advantage proves it's true to keep us moving in the right direction here, but I still am worrying about the Baltimore Orioles. Ian, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, it's, they're not dead until they're truly dead, right? Um, but at the fact that this series is at home and the Blue Jays, the fact that they took three out of four in Camden Yards, like I thought if they escaped with the series split that other week, that would have been fantastic. But taking three out of four... Um, I don't know, like, That was they are, are helpful. have they turned into have the Orioles turned into a pumpkin yet? I don't know, like I'm still I think everyone in baseball is like how are they doing this? And they're just running on like rookie power and, you know, Rudin or Orduer and like all these guys are just they feel like they're playing with house money and obviously the Blue Jays should be a better team than them because on paper they are the better team. Um, but yeah, I think maybe it's gotten to the point where it's like okay, this is where like the veteran savvy kicks in and you see like George Springer and guys who have been there before they know what to do in these situations. Whereas like those rookies on the Orioles are just happy to be there. So they haven't played deep in September before. I think this is maybe a part in the season where we start to see that veteran leadership and kind of, and take over on the blue Jays. So I think, um, I think they probably take two or three, obviously a series sweep would be great, but just, throttling them further down the standings would just make things a little more comfortable as we get into the last couple weeks here of the season
2: yeah like we were talking a minute ago you get that buffer Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's them in the white Sox, and if they're seven games back that's a lot more interesting as we have more or less three weeks off the baseball uh chris how are you feeling about baltimore this weekend
3: i'm not uh i'm not too worried about you know this is naive of me to say but the Blue Jays can take care of the Rays here. I'm, I'm more worried about the White Sox than I am the Orioles. To, to be perfectly honest, I feel like the Orioles have had a great, you know, great season in, in their rebuild. It's that there's if you're an Orioles fan, you should be excited because Very there's so. uh, there's a lot to like there. But they're not. They shouldn't be this good. I mean, and and it was it never should. Have I want to say it was never going to last. The 20-game win streak can make me prove me wrong, but I'm actually more worried about the White Sox than, than I am the Orioles. Uh, and they're like the Blue Jays and the Yankees that I mentioned earlier. I think it's I feel like it's a um, you know I feel like it's a situation where the Blue Jays completely control their own destiny. As long as they take care of business and don't fall apart down the stretch, then then neither the Orioles or the White Sox should be able to catch them, and it should be about jockeying for position in the wild card.
2: To your point on the White Sox, they have been make, doing their job over the last yeah. two, three weeks. And I know they're six and four over their last 10, but the biggest problem with them is to what you just said. They're not in control of their destiny. They're not playing these teams that are ahead of them in the wild card race. So <laughs> they have to hope that we lose, the Mariners lose, Tampa Bay loses. There's a lot of what if there, and then they just have to keep winning. That's yeah. more or less my worry about the Orioles. They're playing all these teams. They're, they could just be a thorn in everybody's side and find a way to sneak in. That's baseball. <laughs> That's why we play the yeah. game, right? So, anyway, enough on that. I want to have some fun before I let you two both run off. And until, you know, Chris, I know you're here all the time, but I don't really get, always get to get Mr. Hunter on this show all the time. So I want to make sure we have some fun here before we wander off. Not that we haven't horrible times but <laughs> um chris you wrote an article recently what's your issue with the bunt and why we're not doing enough of it or <laughs>
3: uh, i just think the team sucks at bunting and so and we don't they don't do it enough in order to get better at it so it's either utilize the skill or don't and and right now i'm at a point where it's like don't like, he, none of you can bunt, so just stop trying. We've had eight sacrifice bunts all season long. Espinol can't bunt. Up. Zimmer can't bunt. You know, like, all these guys that you'd expect them to be able to bunt, you can't practice that either. That's the thing, is it's not something you can just you do before the game and replicate live game bunting. It's completely different. And so if you want to be a team that's good at bunting, you got to do it earlier in the year, and right now they, they're not good at bunting. <laughs> There's my, my answer.
2: Quite <laughs> Short passionate. and sweet of it. Yeah. And what do you think? Kill the bunt? Yeah.
1: I was um I figured the Jays would probably be at the the low end of the the spectrum when it came to bunting. The Braves have not had a sacrifice bunt at all this year. Really? Yeah. Wow. The the would Dodgers that have had group, that one. shocks me. But yes, as Chris said, the Jays um are horrible at it and there's you know i think of a few a few key scenarios when santiago espinal just could not get the bunt down um and i was kind of having a bit of a weird flashback to that game when merrifield came up and i thought oh they're gonna ask him to bunt now aren't they and thank god he didn't because you know he comes up with that clutch Double, double so yeah it's just like it's on the surface it seems like a baseball fundamental like these are the things they obviously practice, but I think, like never, like never bunt. I, I I hate bunts as well. Like, it just you know, it's 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 never good. You're giving up an out. Um, I say let the guy swing the bat unless it's like you haven't scored a run in five games. Then, okay, try the it. I ship guess is
2: so nuts. You just push it that direction.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's just oh, it's maddening, especially when this team can't seem to score runs. It's like really, this is the time you're going to try it. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, if we don't see it again, I would be pretty happy actually.
2: To your point, that Merrifield one was like, oh, he's gonna come up here. he's got bunt. He's fast. This is what we're gonna we're gonna mm-hmm. do. And then I I was so happy to watch him swing the bat. and then I wasn't expecting that, but I was very happy to get the double and the RBIs uh, that, that was very fun to watch. And that and actually was the catalyst for the whole game the other night.
1: Well, it just goes to show you right? Like you put the ball in play, and although it wasn't like that looked like a almost looked like a ground ball double play, the at least the fact you put the ball in play you have to make the fielder make a play whereas if you're bunting uh, you know the likelihood is you're you're going into and out if not maybe two so yeah yeah it's just it's never good the jays have never really been that great at it so uh yeah stop doing it i would say
2: <laughs> <laughs> to that point i love what you said about that piece is get the ball in play and this is why what in and- As much as I'm a giant Toronto Blue Jays fan, one of my favorite players to always watch when I was growing up was Tony Gwynn. That man Mm -hmm. didn't strike out. He took his walks. He found a way to get that ball in play. And there's a reason he's probably arguably one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball history. And without this shift shit next year, maybe we can get back to some normal stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe they do have a but maybe they have a bunting clinic in the offseason or something. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so now, Mr. Hunter, I want to talk about one of the articles you wrote recently, which was this one about the wonderful random assortment of Blue Jay related items that you found on the internet.
1: Yeah, go I guess that a little bit. Yeah, so if like you go to the Blue Jays uh, auction site, often they'll have um, you know jerseys, balls, baseballs, used bats for sale. But if you go to the buy it now section, you can kind of buy these weird things. And I remember seeing this earlier in the year, and I think I tweeted it out, and I didn't really think anything of it. But you can actually buy a piece of the old Roger Center video board um, for the low, low price of $200. And I I don't know. It's like a literally a, a square piece of electronic. I don't know what you would do with it. It's just the fact that you say, oh, I have a piece of the old video board. So that's one thing that's you can got. buy um you can also buy a bottle of the game used infield dirt from the first game back in toronto last year um i actually own sadly a bottle of in the first bottle of infield dirt they had from the first um all dirt infield game i think it was like three or four years ago i don't yep. ask me why i bought it i just it was an impulse purchase um so I bought it that. It looks good on
2: your shelf. Don't worry about Basically,
1: it. Basically, <laughs> yeah, that's essentially it. Um, and you can also get a uh, a ball from Justin Verlander's no hitter from 2019. Not a ball that was put in play or not a ball that was used. It was a game ready baseball. Um, and it's $125. <laughs> so that was probably one that was in like the umpire's bag but never got into game. So it just I, I always love going down the rabbit hole of like weird and like stupid blue jays merchandise like really why are they selling these things but obviously some people are buying them otherwise they wouldn't have them on the website so it's uh yeah you can always go down it's fun to go down that rabbit hole for sure
2: chris let's say you have a million dollars and you were forced to buy one of those three items which one tickles your fancy <laughs> oh
3: probably the scoreboard part i mean I, i've got a piece of turf from and i two seats, and then i collect so that just goes there to show go. that I'm, well i don't know i'll buy stupid stupid stuff too
2: <laughs> so you've been reading all of ian's articles and then just going bye 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 bye
1: <laughs> well there is one i don't know if you guys have seen the um the jays their 50 auction and the, well they're going to be doing this a lot lately but they're raffling off two, one of the prizes is two original sky seats so I'm like, I kind of, I really want to get my hands on those. I don't know why it's like, it's not practical. They would just sit in my garage, but it's just like the fact that you can brag and say that you have skydome seats. So, um, yeah, watch I it. I, I, would, be...
3: I would absolutely sit in my basement and, and sit in them. Even if they would be uncomfortable, yeah. I would still be like, no, I'm
2: <laughs> I'd I find a way to pour concrete just to hang, have those out on my patio and have them, you know, cause they're mounted on the step. Right. So they're like, yeah. It's not like they have a you know, fold out or anything I gotta make that work
1: Funny thing <laughs> is we go to the ballpark And complain how uncomfortable those seats are And yet I'm like I gotta get me some of those in my own house So, <laughs> yeah.
2: And to that point How many do you think are going to be on sale Now that they're re- revamping Half you know, the whole outfield Yep, On all the levels, all the 500 levels, still those seats with the logo and everything on them.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, that'll be coming because, yeah, they're Some ripping out be, those. Right? And then the following year, they're going to be apparently taking out all the 100 level seats as well and replacing those. So um, very suddenly you'll see them come up on auction sites. So if if you're a weirdo like me, I'm sure you'll be, have plenty of opportunities to buy these things.
2: Yeah, all I know is uh, I guess that where my cheat seats are on the third baseline or on the first baseline, literally going—you know—they made those weird cuts that go toward the foul pole. Those are where I always sit whenever I'm at a ball game because it's a it's a front row seat, but I'm mm-hmm. not paying for a front row seat. <laughs> that's it.
0: Yeah.
2: So, um, so boys, that's the end of our show. Ian, I'm going to let you have your uh, shameless self-promoting plug right now if you want to tell where all the Blue Jays fans can find you if they don't know already. <laughs> Sure.
1: Um, you can find my, uh, find me tweeting random things, videos of Alejandro Kirk running around the bases on Twitter, Um, at Blue Jay Hunter. I'm also writing uh, about the Blue Jays down the stretch here for Daily Hive. Um, just my most recent piece was about Jordan Romano and how he's basically been like one of the best clutch relievers in baseball this year. You kind of look at the metrics like win probability added and. Um, the fact that he's, I think he's appeared in like 18 one-run re- one save situations. and
2: How many of those were the first month of the
1: season? <laughs> I know, right? Like it's, he's had a, a really un- underrated year um, as a reliever. So that's the latest piece I've got up there. And uh, yeah, you can follow my work on there if you like.
2: Chris, your turn. Plug away, friend.
3: Yeah. As always, you can find uh, me on Twitter at baseball for brains uh, is the handle. It's baseball number four brains. And then uh, you can always find, uh, find my work at Jay's journal and all the wonderful writers that we have on the team that are there putting out content on the daily. So check us out.
2: Good deal. So before we do our typical sign off here of the two claps and a Ric Flair in ala Caleb K.L. Joseph, <laughs> um, Make sure you're Blue Jays fans, you tune in each week. We're going to be live on Monday. I believe Chris's counterpart, Tyson, is going to join us from Jays Journal. Brendan Panikar will be back on Monday to join me as well. And we will be just continuing to run through the playoff race with you. We're going to try having a few more shows each week mostly aiming for the off days so you can come and join and discuss with us. Thank you for those that did join in on the YouTube and the Twitter feed tonight and actually, you know, dealt with me steering the conversation in certain directions with our two guests this evening. <laughs> Until then, find us on you know, wherever you get your podcasting pleasures from, whether it's Spotify, Apple, any of the good places. So, anyways, two claps and a Ric Flair on a one, two, three, fellas.
0: Sure. <laughs>
3: I just, saw, I just saw Ric Flair uh, smoking a blunt with Mike Tyson on Twitter. So <laughs> this, this is
2: yeah, that's legal here in New York now, too. I can help out with that. It's not just you guys north of the border anymore. <laughs> so anyway, uh, one, two, three. Woo-hoo! Let's go, Blue Jays.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.